If somebody has slighted you, if somebody has betrayed you, if someone has slandered you, if somebody has discriminated against you, forgive. You say, Trent, you don't know what they did to me. You're right. I don't know what they did to you. But I do know what you, by your sin, did to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Today we'll continue in the series Kingdom Citizen with part two of the message, We Are a Chosen Race. Last week, Pastor Trent challenged us with two questions. First, what do kingdom citizens know that so many American citizens don't? And second, what do we have to offer them? We began to answer those questions with the first of three points. We learned that regardless of our ethnicity, kingdom citizens are the chosen race, according to 1 Peter chapter 2. Today, we'll learn what kingdom citizens can do to diffuse racism. We'll also learn how and why believers should cross racial lines. Here's Pastor Trent. The fact that you live in northern Indiana is not an accident. Here you are. And we're all in this together. And we share a time in history and we share a geographical dwelling place together. And all of it came from our ancestor Adam in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And so God created man. Now, everything that I just affirmed to you is being systematically picked apart in biology classrooms and philosophy classrooms, something called Darwinism, natural selection, the survival of the fittest, is the theory of evolution that competes with our closely held doctrine of creation. Now, those of you that want to be quick to throw out a belief in six-day literal creation and to try to make the first 11 chapters of your Bible allegorical, those of you that are quick to jettison that, can I ask you, what is going to prevent you from being a racist? Because what you believe about Darwinism is survival of the fittest. Might makes right. And Darwinism gives absolutely no motivation or obligation for one who is strong to reach down and help the weak. It makes you discriminate. It puffs you up when you have power. It oppresses you when you are not. Our belief in the equality of mankind is rooted in our doctrine of creation. But if you jettison that, what you fail to understand is we are all one race coming from one man that God sovereignly made. 
And we say, well, then where did all these different people groups come from? Well, it's not too far in our Bibles that we learn this. In Genesis chapter 10, verse 5, that after the flood and after Noah and his family came out of the ark, we read that from these, the coastland peoples spread. So even there, we have a distinction of people groups, the coastland people groups. How many of you would like to be in the coastland people group? You're a beach person. You want to hang out at the beach? You would have been great in the coastland people groups. My wife, I think, is in that. She's migrated here far away from the coastland. But uh, these coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with their own language, and by their clans in their nations. If you want a biblical word for different people or people groups, the probably the best word is this word clans. The problem is is ever since Genesis chapter 10, there has been a clash of clans. It wasn't invented as an app originally. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And so these people groups spread and by God's providence and sovereignty, he regulated and governed all of it. And so then we see this all people groups are image bearers of God. We read it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. That word image is very important. It tells us that man bears a reflection of God. Every man in every people group, in some sense, is a mirror reflecting the nature and the attributes of God. Do you know what that means? That God's glory can be seen and known by looking at people and people groups. Now, not all people and people groups have the same characteristics. That's why the more we know of all different kinds and types of people, the more glory can be revealed by God. If you are white, you are an image bearer of God. You are gloriously white. If you are black... You are an image bearer of God. You are gloriously black. Turn to your neighbor and say, see that right there? That is glorious. Everybody do that right now. See that? That is glorious right there. And if it's black, that is, that is gloriously black. If it's white, it's gloriously white. And all of it together bears the image and the reflection of God. Now, what we do too often is we want to find our greatest glory in our external characteristics. That is idolatry. To think that somehow the color of your skin is the ultimate identifiable mark of you, and you elevate that and glory that, and if, if you're white and somehow you think that you're better than somebody that's not white, that's idolatry. If you're black and you think that that's better than somebody that's not black, that's idolatry. Our greatest glory is found in not what makes us different. Our greatest glory is found in what makes us the same. And what makes us the same is this. We were imagined, designed, and produced by the glorious creativity of God 
to be reflections of the glory of God. And so we all have value, and that's the third thing. All people groups have value from God. All people have equal value from God. Look here at this verse in Galatians chapter 3. It says this, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. Do you see the word all? All of you kingdom citizens. Black, white, red, yellow, polka dot, purple, it doesn't matter. All of you are sons of God through faith. What makes you a son of God? It's not your skin color. It's not your church. It is through faith that you were made a kingdom citizen. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ, there is neither, notice, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, Male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Notice those categories there. Jews or Greeks. Which one of those do you think had advantages in knowing the revelation of God? The Jew. They had more revelation. But notice in Christ, there's no advantage to the Jew. And then it says uh, slave or free. Which one of those do you think had the advantage? Slave or free. If you had to sign up for slave or free, which one would you sign up for? You sign up for free. They had economic advantages. But in Christ, there is no disadvantage or advantage of being slave or free. You're all one in Christ. Male or female, which one has the advantage? So often, the male has tried to oppress the female. And here's what we know in Christ. In Christ, we all have equal value. Now, that does not mean that we are all the same. God's statement here in this verse, is about a quality, not sameness. It doesn't mean there's no difference. It means there's no value distinction. I met with a, a black pastor today, uh, this week, um, a friend of mine that I'm getting to know more and more. And um, he's an older man. He's faced racial discrimination. And I was just asking him, help me understand part of your history here and, and how to even talk about these things. And he said, Trent, I don't appreciate it when people say, I'm colorblind. I mean, they're trying to make a statement that I'm not, not racist, but it, that, that's not the best way to talk about that. I said, why not? He said, because you're ignoring the distinctive person that I am. It is by God's providence that I'm black. And for you to somehow be blind to the fact that I'm black robs me of the value of being an image bearer created in the image of God. And so we have to learn how to talk about these things. Here's the second thing that kingdom citizens know, that American citizens need to know. Kingdom citizens are compelled by grace to crush the pride and bitterness that fuels racism. Look at it in Colossians chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Sound familiar? Same language as 1 Peter chapter 2. Chosen race. Chosen ones. He says, you're holy and beloved. There's something we're to put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Those five clothes that we're to put on, we put that on over whatever skin color or ethnicity or distinguishing mark you have. We all, as kingdom citizens, wear kingdom robes, five of them. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, 
and patience. Bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, what do you do with the complaint? You forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. The root of racism is pride, which is an exalted opinion of myself because I've got a certain ethnicity or I've got a certain skin color or I've got a certain economic position. And somehow thinking that you had anything to do with that, you elevate yourself. And the second fuel for racism is bitterness. Once you claim your rights and demand your rights, you know what's going to happen to you? Someone is going to cross and violate your rights. You're going to get hurt. And if you harbor that hurt, then it's going to fuel bitterness in your soul. And pride and bitterness is where it creates the gap in our culture. Kingdom citizens crush pride and crush bitterness knowing we are just simply chosen by God. We've received mercy and grace that has nothing to do with who we are and everything to do with who he is. Now, being a chosen child of God, what am I to do? I'm to extend the grace of God through compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience to people who are not like me. People who may have hurt me and offended me, disrespected me, belittled me. And if you are a person who has disrespected and belittled others, crush your pride and begin to serve with a compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient heart. When I graduated from seminary in Memphis, Tennessee, I got my first full-time ministry position in a church. It was in northeast Arkansas, and uh, there in that little town, uh, there was a church that hired me as their first full-time youth pastor. So there I was trying to figure out how to minister to youth and teach God's Word, and had Wednesday night Bible study, and the youth group would show up, and I remember one Wednesday night, I finished the lesson kind of early, and I just said, hey, let's just do question and answers. What are you guys thinking about? What, what questions do you have? And I'll never forget... There was a white girl who raised her hand. She said, I have a question. This was her question. Is it a sin for a white girl to marry a black man? Now, how would you have answered that question? All right. I'm in Northeast Arkansas. So I said, no, it's not a sin. Now, it would be a sin for you to dishonor your parents. It would be a sin for you to disobey your parents. There's a lot of other things, dynamics that go into it. But basically, fundamentally, is it a sin for a black person to marry a white person? No. The Bible does not forbid interracial marriage. It forbids interfaith marriage. And a believer is not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And um, next question. Move that as quick as I could to something else, okay? Now, three days later, I was coming in for Sunday morning church, just like this morning, like you came into church, and I was about to walk in the building. I was about to open the door. I remember it very clearly. And I heard a voice behind me in a very deep voice say this, Boy. <laughs> I turned around, and it was the parent of one of my kids in my youth group. He was actually one of my youth leaders. He was a very friendly man, and we had a good relationship. He was not happy on that day. 
And this is what he said. He said, boy, I better not ever hear you talk to our girls again about marrying a N-word. And it happened so fast. And from my background being in Oklahoma, I'm like, what did he just say? I can understand that language in Memphis, Tennessee on the streets. I can understand that language outside of a church. I really don't understand it, but it, I don't understand people that do stupid things. But a person who claims to be a kingdom citizen, to have that kind of attitude. And what he needed to do, and what many of us need to do, if you somehow have some superior attitude of pride just because of what your race is, or if you're bitter at someone who has treated you or treated somebody like you or treated one of your ancestors in a way that was unjust, if you let pride or bitterness creep in, that is the fuel for racism. You know what the cure for racism is? Write this down. It's a very profound concept. Just write this down. You ready? Repent! Before God, humble yourself. Acknowledge your pride and arrogance thinking that somehow you are better than another image bearer of God. Repent of belittling and ignoring and isolating and the words of disdain that you've spoken and your attitude of superiority. Lay it before God. Let it convict your heart and slay your soul under the weighty conviction of the Holy Spirit. Repent before God. You have sinned a great sin. Not only repent, but you have to be proactive and forgive. If somebody has slighted you, if somebody has betrayed you, if someone has slandered you, if somebody has discriminated against you, forgive. You say, Trent, you don't know what they did to me. You're right. I don't know what they did to you. But I do know what you, by your sin, did to Jesus Christ. And you belittled him by your sin. And you ignored him by your arrogant attitude of independence toward him. And from the cross, he looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And now being a recipient of God's grace... I bend that grace out to everyone who has ever crossed my rights, and I forgive. And then thirdly, we love. And when we say love, we don't mean feel something. We mean communicate something. It means to communicate. You're a person of value. It means to respect someone, to show kindness to someone, to go out of your way to understand, to seek to understand, to listen to someone, to reach out and cross lines and raise people up and give people opportunities to open your heart and open your home to someone who is not like you. When was the last time someone not like you shared a meal in your house at your table? When was the last time you gave that invitation to somebody? Last Sunday night, Pastor Jamie and I, along with the St. Joseph launch team, were up in 
St. Joseph, Michigan is the YMCA where, where we are about to launch this campus. We were having a vision meeting there, and there were some new people. It was a great crowd. We were explaining what we were trying to do and launch this church. We had dismissed the meeting, and we were just all kind of standing around. But I noticed there was, a, there was an African-American man who kind of stepped into the room. It's the YMCA, so there's all kinds of people going in to work out and swim and do all kinds of different things. He kind of walked in, and I noticed he was kind of curiously looking around. Tanya had engaged him in conversation. He'd walked in and said, what are you all doing? And um, he said, we're launching a church, and here's some information about it. It's Harvest Bible Chapel, and we're going to launch a church here, and we'd love you to be a part of it. And then Tanya, she, she motioned me over, and so I got to meet this man, and, and we were explaining more. And he, he looked at me and said, Harvest, y'all don't have anything to do with that radio program on Saturday morning, do you? And I said, I'm the dude. I'm, I'm the guy. It's Resonate Radio. Yeah, and, and I want you to come and be a part of our church. We're launching this church. And, and I, I could tell the whole time I was talking to him, he was kind of looking over my shoulder. He was just kind of looking and seeing the different people that were there. And I, I knew what he was doing. We, we had a great time. We laughed. And toward the end of our conversation, I, I threw my arm around him. I just leaned into him. And I said, do you see these people over my shoulder? They are so white. My church is too white. I need you in my church. He said, yeah, I was wondering where all the black people were. And I said, well, I don't know where they are, but you do. And so I need you to help me get them here on September 11th when we launch this church. He said, I think I'll do that. And we together as kingdom citizens are committed to multiplying other kingdom citizens across all racial lines. That's the third point of this message. Kingdom citizens are compelled by love to cross racial lines, to take the gospel to people of every race. It's the Great Commission that if you're a part of Harvest, you hear this verse all the time. It is the very core of who we are and why we do what we do. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples. So often we stop there, don't we? What are the next three words? Of all nations. How are you going to do that without engaging someone who is not of the same race? Or of the same people group as you. We are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This afternoon, we're going to celebrate baptism of those that have come to Christ and they're expressing their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have been coming to harvest and there's been a new faith that's welled up in your soul and, and yet you have not yet been baptized. Today's your day. In fulfillment of the Great Commission, in obedience to Christ, why don't you come at the end of this service? Pastors will be here and say, you know what? I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I need to take my next step in baptism. We're going to do that this afternoon. It's going to be a glorious event. It's why we do what we do. In a few weeks, actually next week, there will be a man and his family that are going to show up in Chicago. They look a little different than most people in Granger, Indiana. I want to introduce you to this family. This is Enrique Novella and his family. I met Enrique along with Andrea and Micah when we went down in March to the little Central American country called Belize. It's an English-speaking English country, 
So it's, that means they speak English when we're there, and um, and but it's mostly they, they speak in Spanish when they're in their own home, and um, but we we went down there really asking God if He would identify a pastor with a pastor's heart where we could invest in him and plant Harvest Bible Chapel of Belize. Well, Enrique and his family will be arriving in Chicago, and they will spend the next uh, six months in Chicago at our Harvest Pastors Training Center. And then in the month of January, they will have the glorious opportunity of spending January in Granger. Okay? From Belize. Okay? This is part of our pastor's training. Okay? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's preparation for the persecution yet to come. And so uh, his family's going to be... Do you understand what I'm telling you, folks? Harvest Granger is about to plant another church in, Bel- in Central America, another nation. Because we got nothing else going on, right? And we're doing it all in fulfillment of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. You saw about our work in Liberia. You saw that on the video earlier. We're not giving up on that at all. We're still full throttle there. Now we're going into uh, St. Joseph County, or, or Saint, we're going to St. Joe into Berrien County, and now we're going to be investing in Belize, Harvest Bible Chapel in, uh, in Indy, South under Brock Graham's leadership, will be partnering with us on this. But we're going to have the opportunity to help them build a core group. We're going to take mission trips down there and help them in in training and discipleship and leadership. And some of you are going to come with us on that. You can't do that if you're concerned about somebody having a different language, a different skin tone, or a different ethnicity than you. Why do we do it? Because we know the promise in the book of Revelation is this. One day John was transported into heaven and he saw the final days and it says this, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. They were standing before the throne. Why were they before the throne? Because there was a king and they were kingdom citizens. And they were crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And again in Revelation chapter 5, praise and a song was sung before the King. You ransomed people from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation and you have made them a kingdom kingdom citizens and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth forever One day, the Lord Jesus will assemble His church from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation from throughout human history. Those He has set free from death by His blood, a people set apart for God. For now, those of us who have been ransomed by His blood are commissioned by God to go into all the world, crossing ethnic, racial, and national lines to make disciples for Jesus Christ and His glory. Harvest Bible Chapel is a church whose mission is to do just that,
to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We'd love for you to visit us for one of our weekly worship services on either of our campuses, Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on our Granger, Indiana campus, and Sundays at 10 a.m. on our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. For campus locations and more information, visit us online at harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us on the web at harvestgranger.org.